Welcome to the Five Seven Podcast. I'm your host, Pre. Tonight, we're joined by Ronaldo Linares. He is a, a former Marine. He grew up in Colombia and is now a chef. And uh, so, Ronaldo, what got you into the culinary arts? Um, culinary arts, my, my family growing up in, in Medellin, Colombia, born there. I come from a, a line of chefs. My mother's a chef. She's, uh, I like to call her a rustic style chef, kind of throws stuff in the pan, comes out really good. Uh, <laughs> and then my dad is more classically trained French chef. He's, he's pretty much cooked all over the world. And, um, at that time in Colombia, we had a restaurant, um, uh, called it Telestar. It's like, um, yeah, Viejoteca. So it's a nightclub restaurant. Um, so during the day's restaurant, nighttime is a nightclub slash restaurant. And, uh, we did a lot of just classic Colombian Cuban dishes there and, uh, served a lot of booze, a lot of dancing, uh, a lot of women and, and all that. It was during the Pablo Escobar era. So imagine that kind of wild, wild West scene in a way where, you know, my, my father's restaurant, was one of the highways that a lot of the cartel traveled by. So they stopped there a lot. And they ate frequently there, man, came in there and, and had a good time, danced, you know, drank. And, and um, it was very interesting, very interesting to say the least, least because I did spend uh, my weekends there um, picking up bottles. And I was like five years old, six years old, picking up bottles and stuff, uh, you know, because either because if, if the thing was with me, I was a very adventurous kid, child. So if I if my mother had something to do, I had to stay with my father because they were afraid of what, what I was going to do by myself. So I would be with my father on the weekend. And I sometimes perp- like I would purposely just do things. I, I, you know, kind of strategically put myself in situations because, man, the tips were good. They would give me some good some good money. And it was, um, you know, I, I gained a lot of life lessons from those moments, you know. So. Um, kind of, it was like that for, for a few years, there was a lot of, a lot of, I saw a lot of killing, um, a lot of dead bodies. Uh, we got shot at on the highway because that's what they did. They were, they were on the highway and they would shoot at cars, man. It, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. And thankfully we, we escaped out of there with our, with our lives and came here to start from zero, from scratch, um, literally homeless for like two years until we found our, our, our way, you know? So you, um, so you were born in, in Colombia then, correct? Yep. Medellin, Colombia, the was, center, the hive. Yeah, of, no kidding. Uh, El, Car- what, El Cartel. What was your, what was your uh, early childhood like? <laughs> My childhood was amazing, man. Um, a lot of people, like I tell, like people that know me personally, I've told my story and they're like, how the hell is it amazing, man? You're dodging bullets. I'm like, you know, if you take that to the side, I had a loving mother. Um, we lived very well. We were I, we were in an affluent uh, neighborhood and rich, pretty much, to compared to the rest of of the people. You know, our house was was had a twelve foot wall around the house that was embedded with spikes and glass. You know, we had a, a nighttime person uh, covering our our six and our twelve and our three and our nine um, <laughs> every night. You know, and. Besides the barred windows and and the and the double door and all this other stuff, you know, it was kind of it was just that's what life was. But you know, we had everything we needed at any time. You know, every toy you could possibly think of, 
Um, you know, mother was there, you know, dad was work and he was doing whatever he was doing. And, you know, we, we were, had an abundant life, but we weren't raised to recognize that abundant life. We were raised to respect it and to live humbly. Right. So the changes that occurred have occurred through my life, even to this day, it doesn't really affect me because, um, I was, I wasn't raised to, I wasn't raised like that. You know what I'm saying? I was raised to like, if you have this much, if you have an abundant amount of, of material and money and everything, it still live as if you didn't. But obviously act and you know you you grow and evolve with that, but still, you know, live within your means. I got taught I ha- I got taught that valuable lesson at an early age by my mother. So would you say Maybe, you know, your your life is good and, and, and everything's going well. And then and then would you say the violence from the cartels happened or was that going on like the whole time? It, it was it was uh, escalating. Right. So around 1984, 1985, that's when it started really happening. I started remember. That's when I could remember things. 1986, I saw the first person get killed, get shot about 100 yards away from the front of our house, man. So we were out, and, and I remember that day specifically. It was crazy. I was out in the yard. I was helping our gardener, right? So I don't know if you guys remember those lawnmowers that kind of just had a push and it, and yeah. it turned with the blade. So that's what we mowed the lawn with. So I would mow the lawn, and then I would help pick up the grass clippings, and I'll do the maintenance around the yard, you know, um, with the gardener. I just I like to, you know, I like I like to stay busy, right? And I remember that day I heard a gunshot and I looked down and I saw a, gen- a guy running up, holding his leg. And maybe a couple minutes later, um, a guy on a bike came around the corner and it was like a movie, man. He came and skidded to the right and kind of gained his balance and he took off the hill. But during that exact time, a lady was walking with two two cloth bags filled with milk, eggs, you know, for the week, right? Bringing food for her family. The guy in the motorcycle felt the need to stop in front of her and shoot her five shots in the head, man. Five shots. I could still hear it, bro. It was just as clear as day. I could go Holy back. Shit. I'm getting chicken skin right now thinking about it, man. Just bah, 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 bah. And the guy just put his gun away, flipped his visor down. I saw it was like a, like a movie, man. He yeah. turned and boom, 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 and then that bike took off. And maybe a few minutes later, you heard another pa pa pa, and and that was that. And as crazy as the scene was, I was I re- I don't re- like I could go back to the day I wasn't scared, I wasn't screaming. I was like, my first thing was like, yo, let's go check that out. And I ran down to the to the scene, and there was still blood pouring from her head, bro. Like wow. a pool of blood around her head, blood was still coming. It was in the movies where, like, kind of like the blood comes out, comes out. Yeah, it's just like that. It was crazy, and I and I remember I got there, and other neighbors got there, and it was just like, ah, oh, there goes another one, right? Um, during that time, it was crazy, and then I ha- and then like things like that, not that bad, but similar, um, happened throughout the, the, the next couple of years, right? Because Pablo Escobar went on a war with the police in Medellin. And you would drive around, bombs would go off, man. In like they were they were bombing themselves. 
right? It was like terrorism, local terrorism. You know what I'm saying? Wasn't there uh, like one point where he was he like he was kind of like a um like he was good with the people, and then wasn't there like a point where he just went to war with the police? Well, he was going well. He was set up like so. He was good to the people around where he was at to protect them. Mm-hmm. He wasn't good to the people. He was he was strategically doing it so right. they could cover his ass, right? He gave the money. He gave them money and all that stuff. But he also gave them guns, oh, you know, okay. all things like that to give them a lookout. And the cops were coming and all that. And these people were killing other people, innocent people, man, taking yeah. the lives from people. So. It's like, it's how how you look at it, right? Um, you know, imagine imagine going down and you're going down this highway, this two lane highway, right? And and you're driving, you're talking with your mom. This is like a, I'm telling you from a life experience. I was in the passenger side on a on our Ford Bronco, like 1982 Ford Bronco. My uncle had Such one of those. Dope, freaking like from the co- commando. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> he like pushes it and he's driving down the yeah. Down no right brakes. Yeah, yeah. With the white top. Um, same thing, man. So we're driving on this highway, and my mom's driving and shit, and my brother's in the back sleeping. My youngest brother's sleeping. And we're going, and I look up, and I like I, I heard a shot, and I look up, and then I see this guy's in a in a kind of pickup truck uh-huh. hanging out the side, just shooting, bro. No kidding. Swear, there was a truck, a pickup truck in front of the guy, in front of that car. He swerves, we swerve at the same time, so we come to a hole and we hit each other. We we crash, man. And I said, I was so well aware, man. I've been very always well aware through my life of danger, of like what to do next. I, it's I don't know what it is, but you know it's there. So right. as soon as that happened, we crash. Mom, get your head down. Get your head down. We. We went down and we just waited, man. And we're we're praying, man. Mama starts praying. I'm like, please don't stop, please don't stop. And like, if they stop, they're killing us, man. Right. And they just they just kept going. I get up, I spring up, I check on my mom, mom, you're okay. She's like, I'm good to go. I was bleeding a little bit. I check on my brother. You're right. He's crying and shit because he he messed up his uh, nose. He's bleeding from his nose. Yeah, and I'm like, like, you're oh. okay. You're fine. Don't worry about it. I get out of the car. I'm like, probably six, maybe. Maybe seven, seven, maybe I will say, I don't, I can't remember the exact age. So I got out of the car, I run to the other car and check on the older gentleman. It's like, you're okay. He's like, sir, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. We got to jump in the car and we just go. There was no like, Hey, let's call each other's insurance. You know, it was, <laughs> right. It was like, it was like, go, go, because it was that bad, man. And then we left. Um, and that was like, man, that was one of so many moments. It, it was crazy. Like my childhood memories are filled with some fun, but like, hey, mom, remember that time we were in traffic and someone tried to grab your necklace, but you put the window up and then you dragged that guy for like thirty yards in the car <laughs> until he let go of your necklace. Like that is a conversation we would laugh at. Like, yeah, that is, no, it's true though. Like it sounds crazy, She's but like, that, yeah, stupid though. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, it's like it's so true because my mom's like. She's not taking my fucking necklace. And she grabs a guy's hand, puts the window up, and we drove off for like 30 yards, man. 
and she's like, "Stay wet, without your car. And that guy's like, "Let me go, man!" And I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "Mom, what the fuck?" I'm like, "Mom!" Yeah. And then like, hey, "Let's go!" And then like, he he I mean, I, like he fell and rolled on the street. So she was really pissed. She really liked the necklace, as you could right. <laughs> tell, right? Yeah, no she kidding. got her home and she found her necklace in her bra. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he yeah. didn't get it. The guy fucking dropped it, bro. <laughs> I was nuts, man. Most Colombian from Medellin. They're notorious, man. They're notorious from Medellin. And They're then the, the Kelly cartel started uh, warring with, with Pablo, right? Yeah. They all started like because like Pablo. When you have too much, others get jealous, right? Yeah. And you start undercutting your, your people. You start kind of not treating them the, the, the same way. And, and you're going overboard. Right. Once you go overboard, you're messing with other people's money, and they're like, they're they're okay with their police, right? They got, you know, they're they're bribing. Nobody's getting into nobody's shit. Everybody's getting the money, and Pablo Escobar is like, hell, I want everything, and that's how eventually it happened. And they, you know, he got they found him on top of that that apartment complex and, and on top of the Spanish tile. You know what I'm saying? That's you nuts. Know? It's crazy to. I mean, imagine imagine having all of that, right? All the money in the world, and there's time. There was many times you could have gotten out, right? And and you and your last breath is on top of Spanish tiles in one of the poorest neighborhoods in Colombia. Well, while everybody's chasing after you. Imagine that. Like That's that is your last brutal. breath. That brutal to get. I guess I to, to the gates. <laughs> and name, please, Pablo Escobar. And then like, uh, okay, nope, 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 oh shit, no, you had all this. You died on top of a, a roof with Spanish tiles? Yeah? Oh man, that sucks. What a life, right? It's so cold, <laughs> right? And they like, get the hell out of here. You go, <laughs> yeah, you no kidding. You don't belong in hell. We're going to leave you in the middle, right? In purgatory. Maybe <laughs> you think about your thing. I think that's where he's at. But anyway, well, if, like, he's, if he's in purgatory, I'm definitely going to heaven, dude. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I always say that, man. I'm always like, in, <laughs> I think I've climbed back up and yeah. into uh, into heaven. But uh, yeah, man, it was it was really crazy. Um, all those so many moments, so many uh, memories of, of, and I say good memories because that's what's built the person I am today. You know. So when you left uh, Colombia, you came to America, and, and where uh, where did you come to? So we landed um, we landed in Miami first. We were there six months, and we got on the Amtrak, right? We got on the Amtrak, uh, took the trek from Miami to Newark Penn Station in like March. There was snow on the ground. I've never seen snow. <laughs> uh, I was not prepared. I had purple sweatpants on, a gray sweatshirt, and some shoes in the winter. Snowy, like snow, snow. This is before like global warming got really bad, and it was like actually snowed during the during the winter. Yeah. Um, and it was. I was like, holy crap! Like, mom, why did we come here? We were in Miami. It was warm. Yeah. sunny like i felt like i never left colombia in a way right because i was talking right. spanish and stuff down there but for whatever reason you know god had a different plan for us and we came here and we came to new jersey and uh my aunt picked us man my aunt picked us up you know those old suzuki hashbacks 
yeah tall. they look like it look like a they look like a uh, you know those like a car like a, a weird car like yeah. you know the hashtag old school yeah i remember more focused you know the back in the day yeah. um so that's what she picked us up in that so it was me uh my my younger brother my oldest brother and my mother and my aunt because she picked us up and our luggage yeah we had the the, wow. the trunk closed so we had to like tie it down this was in the winter so the cold's getting in we're back there packed up like sardines yeah. and it was like and i was like man hey this is america amazing like awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and we ended up living with with my aunt uh for just like a couple of weeks we were in a one bedroom apartment with like seven people uh coming from an estate man like we had a we i slept on a, a king bed when i was little oh wow which yeah. yeah my me and my brother had a king bed uh we had everything possible we had a maid we had bro it was, it was like like the shift was crazy and it was like that um, and we slept, that's where we slept for a little bit. And then we had to move out of there and go to my aunt's attic to another aunt. And so we're like, we were homeless for like well, about two years, man. You know, wow. no money. We had like 15,000 bucks because we had to liquidate everything. Like it was, it was like a, a pennies on the dollar, man. It was crazy. Wow. So we got here 15,000 bucks to kind of restart while my father and my, my uh, second oldest brother sold everything back in Colombia. How many siblings do you have? Four. I have four okay. siblings from uh, my mother, and then my dad had two other siblings uh, for his previous marriage. So okay. I have a half sister, and my older brother, we never met him. Um, he left Cuba by a raft, and they never found him. So he could be alive, he could be dead. Nobody knows. Oh, wow. Somebody knows. Like, never, never found out, man. So yeah, he could be alive. Um, um, and I know I've met a lot of Linares and I always ask him every time I see, I, I find a Linares, mm -hmm. I try to I try to uh, ask him a few questions about their, you know, their background, but never always cold, but you never know, man. I'll be, yeah. imagine that man, a brother, like a 55 year old brother somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you grew up in, uh, grew up in New Jersey and, and how was, how was that, you know, dealing with, you know, kids, I'm sure the kids are much different in, in New Jersey than they are it in sucked. Columbia. It yeah. sucked. It sucked. I, I came from a place where I was uh, an anomaly, bro. I'm looking at me, man. Uh, white as could be, blonde hair, and I didn't look like anybody in Colombia, you know. Uh, and I'm talking from my personal experience. As you, my brothers, my my younger brother, my oldest brother, they look Spanish, Colombian. Me and my other brother, white. So it's like we had to try like extra hard, you know, kind of to fit in. And as when you're a kid, you don't know, man. So when I got here, um, I it sucked. I, I, I didn't I didn't fit in with nobody. Like the Spanish people were different here than they are over there, and then the white people didn't, you know, they didn't bring me in because I was didn't speak English. I live very little, like the basic shit, like hi, how are you, hello, right. you know, where's the bathroom, and shit like that. Right. Um, and then with the Spanish people, it was it was the same. It was it was weird, man. Like. Who's this Colombian kid? So it took me a little bit to to kind of fit in and, and figure it out. Um, I got made fun a lot. I got bullied. So I fought a lot. Um, I'm not one person who take nothing from anybody. I don't care how big you are. 
I don't care how many people are there. I am going in. I am going in. I mean, obviously, that's when I was younger. Not now. Yeah. But during that time, I didn't care, man. I man, I, I almost got killed in Colombia. I almost got stabbed, bro. I got it. I was like, I, and that was my mentality. I'm like, F it. If they're going to pick on me, I'm going in. And they're going to respect me one way or the other. And as I learned English, I, and I made it a must, like, I need to read. I need to you know, um, I would watch cartoons like crazy and just TV and read and educate myself because I knew it was, I, I needed to use it as a tool of communication and, and to battle this, this, this bullies, you know, this, this people. So as I kind of created myself and found myself, I gravitated. It was weird. Like, ah, let me go over here. Nope. No, no, no. Let me go over here. Nope. Every group I went to, I didn't fit in. I didn't feel like I fit in. I, it was weird because, like, you'll try to assimilate a little bit, right? To, right. to like be cool and shit and, and hang out and because you don't know any better. And, and then you see this idiots being mean to other people and, and you kind of be mean yourself, right? Because you want to be cool, right? You want to be part of this shit, but it's not you. Eventually, you're like, this is not cool, man. This is not, yeah. what are you doing? What? So people could like you. And yeah. it went like that for a little bit. And then finally, man, finally, um, I was like, let me just be nice to everybody. Right. Let me talk to everybody. Let me talk to the nerds, the geeks, the uh, the skinny, the fat, that in between, the ugly, the good looking. Like, let me just be friendly as hell like I was in Colombia. Yeah. And that's what, you know, essentially... Uh, I started just creating really cool groups, you know, and people, everybody knew me and everybody started to know me and kind of that approach has grown throughout my life. And thankfully, man, because I, there's people life was nice to for 10 minutes that I'll meet now and, and they'll remember, I don't remember, but they remember me. They're like, Oh, you were really nice to me that one day that I'm like, Oh, cool. It's like, no, thank you so much because everybody's a dick. And I was like, <laughs> Oh man. I was like, no, it's yeah. It was, I it was just being nice. Right. Right. So it's like, it comes to tell you, like, you never know who you're running in, whoever you run into, be a cool people, bro. Be yeah, nice. No big. matter, no matter what, 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 where they are in life, you know, you hear that, like that saying, even that the janitor, you treat the janitor like the CEO and everybody in between. And when it comes down to it, to make a decision, to choose you for a job, to choose you for a project, you're going to come up, you know, your name will come up. You're, they're going to come up because they remember that one conversation, that one moment. And it's just life are moments, right? Right. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, believer in not burning any bridges. Yeah. So, so you get out of high school and, and you, what, you go and join the Marines? Yeah, man. What I, makes I, you want to do that? Uh, I needed discipline. Um, and like I said, you know, through, 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 uh, trying to go into different groups, I got in a lot of trouble, yeah. uh, in those times. And me, I just, it's kind of like I knew, like, my mom's like, why the hell are you always in trouble? I'm like, mom, I just, I'm bored. I didn't <laughs> like school. Um, I wasn't, I feel like I wasn't being challenged enough. And I was just, like, I knew I was not doing good. Like, I knew I was a bad kid. Like, I knew it. Like, I know I'm being like this, but I'm like, I'm just going to graduate and go to high school, go to the Marine Corps anyway and go to college there. So whatever. Like, I have a plan. 
uh, let me enjoy my time in high school, which is a horrible approach. I should have like tried a lot harder. Um, and, and I tell people that and they laugh, um, because I, my potential, I know my potential and now like, and I wish I would have put that into play then because my, my senior year, man, I, if I didn't get all A's, I wouldn't have graduated. Wow. I had a, I had to get all A's to graduate high school. Because I was I was eating crap the rest of the three years. I was like, yeah, let me just have a good time. Barely pass my classes, whatever. Uh, while my parents are were struggling and, and you know we're trying to build this life, and that's uh, you know during that time during the high school before the Marine Corps uh, in 1992 and a half years after we so two and a half years were like bouncing all over the place, and then my father opened the restaurant. He got here. We opened the restaurant, and, and that was open for 25 years. So during that time, I would work at the restaurant on the weekend. I would sleep in the basement at the weekend. I would sleep in a basement that you could not see the hand in front of you. There were wow. spiders. There was everything. We built a little room. There was a, a Marine Corps-style cot. And you know those cots only fit one person. Two yeah. people slept on that. I took a shower under a hose, and the water was cold as could be. And that was my life on the weekends at 11, 12 13, 14, 15 years old, man, until we bought our house in Raritan, New Jersey. So when you got to the Marines, you were you were good to go then? I was good to go, man. I got that shit beat out of me by my mother until I was 12 years old. Every day it seemed like, um, you it know. It was a cakewalk then, huh? It was a cakewalk, man. It was... It wasn't hard. It was it was cha- challenging for my mind, and and you know I, I knew I wanted to go to the Marines. Um, uh, Fifteen, I put my plan together. I was like, "This is what I'm gonna do." I, like I had all these like goals and shit, and one of them was like to graduate high school to go to the Marine Corps. Went to the Marine Corps, and boot camp was like I had kind of like a, a heads up for my brother because he went to the Marine Corps too. He's like, "You need to do this, do this, do this." At certain points, so I was like, "I'm," and the whole time that's all I thought about. Be the squad leader. Uh, try to be the guide and try to be this. Try to be that. Get honors. Be perfect on the range to get promoted at the end. Like I had that. That's what kept me in track. And I not at one point you had a purpose. Was, yeah, bro. Like purpose driven. And when you're purpose driven, like every the obstacles, they're just obstacles. You know, they're they don't become more than that, right? Like we tend right. to make life so complicated we tend to to make these obstacles into these giant mountains that that we can't cross you know um when the the answer is literally if you look to your right there's a sidewalk and you just kind of walk around the mountain you know it's (laughs) such a simple thing and and that i that i have to you know give uh, um, credit to david goggins i was listening to him and he was talking about that like People they they get in front of a fucking a tough road or whatever the fuck it is and and they're like instead of they they give up or they like oh, it's so hard I can't cross that rock instead of just man just look to the right there's a sidewalk there just make it so hard just walk around it you know yeah. like and it's such an awesome statement because it's true you know yeah like, we 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 blow it up in our mind when the the answer right that sidewalk that answer is right there. We just gotta step away. All right, cool. Analyze it and just go around it and take care of it and move forward. You know. Did you get it? Did you get a chance to read his book? Uh, no, I actually it's on the way. It's on the way. It's on the way. I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's really good, man. 
Oh, you read it already? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, um, just, I listen to him a lot on podcasts and just videos, all the stuff that he does. I just really enjoy his rawness. He's speaking from a, a place of, of um, experience. He's done it where he came from. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things you can relate to that guy. And um, it, it's crazy how you, you, it kind of applies to your own life in a way. You kind of take bits of it. Right. And you're like, man. And it, and it, and it kind, of, he kind of, he's kind of calling you out in a way. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Is. Like, I don't yeah. know how you feel about it, but like when I listen to him, you know, I haven't read his book. I, I'm getting it this week. Um, this actually should be here tomorrow. Um, like, I feel like you're being called out, like making you feel guilty and shit for, for not, uh, you know, trying harder or pushing harder. And it's making you open your mind up differently. And I like him because he is military. He, he's speaking the truth. And the whole, you know, the, the whole thing with, you know, uh, people becoming soft is so true. Yeah, it is. It I is. Becoming soft, man. I was become, man, I was becoming soft. I said, I said, F this, man. Sorry, cursing so much on your, on your podcast. It's all good. It's yeah, all man. good, man. Have, all right, yeah. good. have, have, okay, uh, have at it, dude. Yeah. So no, like, I, I like his too. I, I like his, uh, you know, the way he looks at things too. I, I mean, I, I do, I mean, I agree with him on probably like 98% of everything. But one thing that I disagree about is that I think that he has like a genetic disposition to uh, like what he does, you know, because I, I think that like, I think if you took a hundred people that tried to do what he did, yeah, like, you know, like, like when he ran a, you know, a hundred miles without training, you know, that is nuts, with, bro. With no training. Like I think 98% of the people who did that, they, they would have been carried off on a cart, you yeah. know, you no know, beforehand. 100%. And and it's, and it's not, and it's not like a, a lack of effort type of a thing. It's just some people can't, can, can do that. But I, I mean, but I, I, I love the guy, man. You know, I think that, you know, just his outlook on, on, on finding a, a goal and doing it and how it's, it's achievable, you know, and the reason that people don't achieve it is because they get soft. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, no, no, like, I think the premises of, of him, I don't think I like one, I like, I don't think he wants people to run, but he could care less if you run a hundred miles. Sure. He, he gives a shit. Yeah. Right. You know, he's, you know, one of the things that like, he's talking from his experience. Right. Right. And, and I think his mindset comes from when he was little, little, yeah, the shit beat out of him. Yeah. Going to going to his father's pimp house and fucking yeah, and the, it's crazy, right? Yeah, so like he's taking those experiences and he has shifted them in a different way. So, I you know like I would I'm not gonna go run a hundred miles, absolutely not. I, <laughs> right. I mean, not because I can't. I um well I well if you would have, if you would have said to me I would probably try to do it honestly. You know I would probably be like I right, me train because I've been like that all my life. At this moment, I have two hip replacements. I probably wow. won't do it because I would just wear and tear the shit out of my body and I don't want to get change the tires uh, sooner Again. than after, right? Uh, but, you know, I relate to him a lot in, in those things. And I I enjoy the truthfulness and, and being pushed, right? Um, and, and getting you out of your comfort zone and becoming unsoft. Because I was like, I was kind of getting soft, man. Yeah, I did. <laughs> like I was kind of I was kind of getting soft and I was like, 
what the fuck? I was like, I need to get back to to the MMA. I need to get back to hitting the pads and shit. So I went back. Yeah. Fuck, I need to go back to my old sensei. Yeah. And I went back and they were laughing. They're like, holy shit, Scarface is back. That's my nickname. <laughs> um, I used to fight in the Cajun shit. And um, that's my nickname. They're like Scarface. So it's like Scarface is back. I'm like, man, and and I felt so good. Just hitting the pads, like you know, yeah. going in there and being around people like you, you know, the camaraderie, and it feels like you're back with the Marines. You know what I'm saying? In a way, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's why I love it so much. You know, and the push and the mental toughness and the focus, and it just kind of you tune out. It's like somewhat of a meditation in a way. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, so. Going back to the Marine Corps, uh, you know, I know we off <laughs> went off track here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but going back to the Marines, when I joined the Marine Corps, it was it was hard, but it wasn't, in, you know, like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. But um, it, it was a lot of fun, man. Um, a lot of ways we were being pushed. And, and I knew it was going to change my life. It was going to change my body. It was going to change my mind. Uh, it was going to teach me discipline. It was going to teach me to respect, respect the life. And being there for three months, man, without seeing your family, talking to nobody, yeah. it was amazing, man. Refocus. Um, and it went. I went through a lot there, um, you know, just kind of a, an emotional change, how I looked at the world and looked at different things. And it was a lot of, you're able to think a lot. You're able to get in your thoughts. Um, and, and it was really cool. It's one of, I'll tell you a, little, a story about the, the, uh, in the in the Marine Corps. So... Every platoon, I don't know when you were in boot camp, you have that one soldier, one recruit that is just helpless, man. <laughs> he can't stand at attention. Yeah. He's got the goggles up, you know, kind of tilted. And even if he's standing at attention, he's going back and forth. That's it was like <laughs> wind behind him, pushing him. And he couldn't get his hand up to suit. I mean, it was just, yeah. this, it, there's always one, right? We yeah. had two. I was in charge of one of them, and they put him next to my bunker. So anytime he moved, I got in trouble for it, right? So we went through boot camp, and the hell I went through with him. But I was like, man, it was. I felt it was my duty. Like he needs to graduate. Like a poor kid, man. He was going through so much, um, and in the crucible. So the, he made it to the crucible, and the style. Everyone, the, the like the drill instructor is like, is like, let's call him Smith. Let's call him Smith. Recruit Smith. It is a fucking miracle. You are here with us today. You got 49 fucking miles the next three days. And if you don't fucking make it, you ain't graduating and you're getting sent back to week one. Oh, my That's God. That's here, man. That's we're enough creating. motivation. Oh, my God, man. We were, and we were like, oh, fuck, we were kind of, kind of smirk because it was funny, man. Yeah. Now, you know, the way they speak, especially like the Marine yeah, man. drill instructors, uh, you got, you know, you got them with that voice. Like, hey, that was dog. Yeah. <laughs> hey, recruit Smith, you're still with us. <laughs> yes, sir. But, you know, yes, drill instructors. Work man. on that war cry. <laughs> it's like, let me, <laughs> let me hear your war cry. Hey, you hear that war cry? Oh, man. It was, it was like, so we went on this. So anyway, we took off right on this march, right? We got, we got, we, we got our, our rock sack, our 60 pounds of gear on the right. We got everything, right? And I was focused. I'm like, I know my feet going to get messed up. This is going to be tough. We got one freaking MRE for the next three days. 
And there's a lot of work to be done. So I was like, all right, strategic, right? Because that's one of my strengths, being a strategic individual. I was like, I need to check what I have in my MRE and then barter, right? And when the MREs, there's some of them that got the pound cake in it. Yeah. <laughs> they got the hot chocolate. So the yeah. hot chocolate, taking my ex- former culinary experience, I may, you make a pudding out of it, right? Like a, like a hot fudge in a way. Okay. And then you will get dessert, you get pound cake, you put the fudge on top. Unbelievable. So I knew this was like a commodity. Like this is hot, right? So I traded that for another chicken and rice. So I had two <laughs> chicken and rice. So I'm like, I'm good. I got my meal. Yeah. And you know, that's like 800 calories or something like that. Yeah, they're like 800 each yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So I was like, I'm good to go. And they, this idiot gave me his chicken and rice for a freaking pound cake, man. I was like, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. They get, so I was like, right, I'm good to go. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to be fine. And that way I could give my crackers to, and, you know, the crack, all other stuff to other people if they need it. Yeah. Those my two meals. I'm going to ration them out. I'm going to be fine. So anyway, after that got that done, I recruit Long is in front of me. He's bad. He's kind of marching his shoes, like the boots, man. They were so big around. His, his ankles didn't fit in there. So they moved a lot. <laughs> like, just imagine it. Imagine the worst soldier cartoon yeah. you could find where, that, where, the, where the helmet was too big. Right, There wasn't one small enough, and it would just tilt everywhere. And he was always pushing it up. <laughs> You had to come. It, it was unbelievable, man. So I, I we were, we had a three day war um, where you're, where it's like a war, just literally a war without the actual bullets, right? And I was just dragging with me. Well, I'm like, guys, we have to keep recruit long. Like he's got to <clears throat> recruit Smith. He's got to, he's got to graduate, right? <clears throat> the second day, this guy fucking falls. He fucking breaks or like his um his shin bone, right? Fucking breaks it. Small fracture. And I'm like, fucking hey, man. And they and those drill instructors, here comes a drill instructor, right? Hey, long. <laughs> you weren't gonna make it. Chris Smith, we're gonna fucking recycle you. And we just said, we're like, no, no, I'm fine. And we get Toby Campbell, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. So we get, we take the tape them up. He's like, I could make it. So you sure? So you sure? He's like, yeah. They're like, all right, long. We're gonna keep, we're gonna keep an eye on you. I was like, fuck, man, this guy. I'm like, fuck. So he puts his bag on. He couldn't. I'm like, fuck it. I was like, and at that moment again, that voice, right? Like God was talking to me, man. You know, and it's like I have to help this kid out. I gotta help him out. He's been through this. So I grabbed this rucksack. So I put mine on, tied it up real tight, and then I took, you know how you would get it? And you throw the front. it up, you throw yeah. your arms up, and it was yeah. like, boom. So it, like, <laughs> it's the weirdest, like you grab it, and you, and you kind of like press it up, and you throw yeah. your hands through the, through the belt loops, or whatever they're called, the hand, the, the fucking wrap, whatever, the belt yeah. loops, and it landed perfectly right on top of the other sucks. So I was carrying mine, I was carrying his. The rest, the rest of that second day and the third day back to uh, back to base. Which wow. is I'm out home. So on the way back, and it comes to that leadership thing, right? Like, you know, like I, as I grew up in other moments in my life where I had to bring people together, you know, and, and there was other Marines, future Marines, recruits at the time, they were falling down. 
they're you know they had blisters on their feet man like that, 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 that size of you know size of quarters all yeah. over my feet were messed up i was like whatever let me you know just go right um i would just think of like just finish i you know it's like that overcoming that pain in a way and people were falling down so i was like yo guys if you're good pick up their pack pick up their rifle it doesn't matter we're almost done we have to finish together and people were just picking shit up and then we were going by the time i had like three rifles i had the, his uh my my pack long's pack and long was he was he was always in front of me he was always in front of me and we just pushed him and pushed him and pushed him until we got there he made it he made it oh no shit Shin was messed up, but he made it. He graduated with us, man. Oh, that's and great. The staff sergeant is like, guys, a fucking miracle you graduated. And to that, <laughs> when he graduated, he's like, he's like, you fucking in my Marine Corps. You know you don't belong in my Marine Corps. Oh yeah. my. <laughs> um, but you know it was all, all, all saying, man. And and I tell you that story because, you know, moments in my life that led me to that very second to be mindful and recognize that somebody need needed that hand mm-hmm. needed to help them needed that you know you needed to to reach in and, and bring that inner leadership out right to bring out um, all the strengths from other people to keep the morale up and, you know and that's like that marine mindset right the military mindset to teach people using using those military principles, uh, teaching people in corporations, in small business, large business, and at schools that how to transfer. I mean, you got to transfer it, right, and word it to to civilian life, to the private sector, where they could apply it and change the culture on a corporation where you're excited to come to work, you're excited to produce, you're excited because your boss knows your name and he cares about your child. He cares about your wife, what she's doing if she was sick. Those little things, you know, you know, would change changes so much within a culture, man. Yeah, it does. I agree. I agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah. So you got went through the Marines and then what what happened next? What did you do? Uh four years in the Marine Corps, I was like, peace out. Um, I left because I, I needed to help my family out in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So I went to school in the Marine Corps for business. I got out, I got out as a Sergeant. Um, I went from private to all the way to Sergeant in the four years I was in. Um, I was, you know, very proud of that, man. Very proud to be able to move through all those ranks in that period of time. You know, there's a lot of mer- meritorious mass and all things like that from through hard work. I left the Marine Corps to, like I said, to take care of my family's business and help them grow it. And that's the reason I left. And, and that was that, you know, that started, that started the next uh, 2003 until 2018, being in the family business. So I left the Marine Corps and, and um, about six months after I joined the Institute of Culinary Education out in New York City, I went to school um, to learn the dictionary of cooking. Um, why you do, you know, why you, you, you leave meat out, you know, a little longer before you cook it, you know, simple things like that. Right. Um, why do you leave meat out a little bit before you cook it? Room temperature, right? Yeah. I do the same thing. Cause you, you put out a steak out that's cold. That's 30, 40, you know, let's call it 38 degrees, 40 degrees, whatever your fridge is at. And you put it strictly on a hot pan. 
the outside is going to sear. A lot of water is going to come out and the inner part is going to be cold. It's going to cook properly. You leave it outside right. for 25 minutes, comes with room temperature, man. You got a beautiful steak. I right? agree 100%. That's exactly what I do. I guess there is some, there is something behind it. There is something behind <laughs> it. Um, like, you know, like leaving butter out, softening it out before. It's like little, yeah. the littlest things, right? So it's like I needed to learn that so I could apply it into the restaurant. So I went to the restaurant and working with my family, growing that, grew the restaurant. And that was another learning curve, man, because getting civilized, coming from our Marines yeah. to the civilian world and the nastiness, man, like the the, um, the the undisciplined individuals, that was my mindset, like during yeah. that time, right? Like <clears throat> some nasty ass people, undisciplined ass, they can't even cut their nails, look at them, they can't even iron the damn clothes when they come to work. And I, you know, it was all the time, all the time, because I was thankfully through the hard work, I was a leader throughout the Marine Corps. So I was in charge of Marines, man. You know, yeah. we had a, every time we got to work, I had to check, check my Marines. I'm, I was in food service. So I did a morning inspection every single day. I checked your trousers. I checked your nails, both the, the, the front of the top of your hands and the back of your hands. Yeah. Right. I checked your, I checked everything. I checked your nose hairs, checked your, your, your ear, I checked everything. And if you came nasty to my childhood, Ooh, yeah, everything yeah. except everything, you know. Yeah, <laughs> let me check your trousers and see, make sure you iron them shits. <laughs> no, but it was, you know, that's you know, that was procedure, right? That's what, yeah, that was the regulations. That what that's why you had to follow because you're, you know, you're touching food, right? Yeah, and you're gonna get nobody sick. So I was so hardcore when I got to the restaurant. My mom pulled me to the side. I'm like, listen to me. If you don't change your shit, you go find another job. You, I don't want you here because you are too much. This is not the Marines. This is not the Marine Corps. You need to relax and take a deep breath because there was a lot of anxiety coming out too to adjust to civilian life. And I didn't have, I didn't have a guide. I had nobody to tell me how to adjust, how to, how, how, how to learn to live in a civilian world. But uh, and still keeping your your military uh, bearing and traits and all that stuff. So yeah. I had to learn my own, and it took me a while, man. It took me a little bit to and a lot of different moments in life, and and while I was at the restaurant and with 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 people, with friends, and to find my groove again. You know, I went kind of like on a on a pause in my life, trying to find myself. So so that was tough, but. Throughout it, I learned a lot about the cooking and being a chef, being a restaurant owner, running a restaurant, and, and essentially, I was able to to use to I learned how to use my military experience to apply it into this world to um, guide my my employees at the restaurant so they could be my my like my little marines in the civilian <laughs> world. Uh, but in a more relaxed way. Right. So I had my crew, man, loyal as I could be. Like they were loyal and worked. They came in. They knew what needed to get done. But I was, I through the time I learned, I went from being uber strict to being strict, but, but also caring, being a father, right, mm -hmm. uh, to, these, to these people. Because a lot of them, that's what they're looking for. You know, someone's always looking for, for someone to 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 listen to, to give him advice. Uh, 
So I took that platform. I took that. I took that. Um, uh, the like the responsibility to heart to help these kids out that were coming through the ranks, right? at the restaurant and it was pretty it was pretty amazing man to see a lot of them grow they came in some of them some of them like were were with me for four or five years and would get an actual job so it was like i was like cycling through man like training i go out to real world you're good to go i don't want you here anymore you know <laughs> so it was, it was it was pretty cool it was like a lot of little a lot of projects in in, in that sense you know what i'm saying yeah. What would you say the, uh, the future holds for you? My future holds, whew, man, um, so much. Um, I see myself, I see myself in the future, um, be speaking a lot in front of, in front of groups of people. Um, I had conferences, obviously, I had corporations, coaching, uh, leading, I feel that life has prepared me for this moment, this change in my life. You know, um, going back, I'll go back to September 29th, the last day we we had the restaurant open. Um, and we transitioning right now to open a new one. And my brother's taking lead on that so I could do my startup. And that was the hardest day, uh, one of my hardest days of my life to close down what has been open for 25 years. What has what got us started when we got to this country two and a half years after we got here to 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 United States, we opened that restaurant and that restaurant provided an amazing life for us, um, got us, you know, through work, obviously, and everything. But I was able to buy the house I'm sitting in, the other house that I rent. Um, you know, being able to have met my wife, I met her at the restaurant and I believe without that, I wouldn't have my boys right now that are sleeping. Uh, my brother with his business in Puerto Rico, my other brother, like we all entrepreneurs, we're all business owners. You know, we came as immigrants, right? As immigrants here to the United States of America, as you know, I was, we were born abroad in the United States. My father's a uh, Cuban American. So, but anyway, with that said, I was still an immigrant when we got here. I was treated as that, and I was I was made sure, people made sure they knew I was a, I was not part of them, that I was an immigrant, right? That I didn't belong here, and I could tell you right now, I ha I served the Marine Corps because I wanted to protect this country and our shores, you know. I wanted to fight. I wanted to to fight for the freedom that I, my father gave us, and 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 be able to at least give my four years to this country. And that's why I did that. And now we look forward. I am starting a new journey. I'm starting from scratch again. And I'm excited because right. I got so many tools in my rucksack, man, you know, and, and I'm going off, um, three, three points, three services I'm providing, which are, you know, business restaurant consulting from, from scratch to, to, you know, from idea to finished product, or let me come in, let me reshuffle things and set you on the right path. And, and the second wave is working in a health and, and uh, health and wellness area with pharmaceutical companies, health care companies or food brands, helping them connect to the Latino market, you know, um, uh, because a lot of them don't know how to speak to us and, and, and market to us in an organic manner where we feel that you care our well-being and how we are spending our money because we got a lot of it mm -hmm. you know there's eight million latino business owned here in the united states over 700 trillion dollars bro that's a lot of money
You hear? All right. Yeah. So we are a force, man. So I am taking all that and, and this is what I'm doing. And the last part is obviously the speaking, um, sharing my my capabilities um, and, and helping other people, helping other people grow. Uh, in one in the health and wellness space with diabetes and everything. Um, and it's, I, I think I should plug my book, my, my, uh, um, my, uh, book called Chef Ronaldo Sabores de Cuba that was uh, published by the American Diabetes Association. So I am not only, uh, you know, I am an advocate for, for Latin, for the health, for the community, but I, you know, I walk the walk, man, you know, I live that life. Um, but that said, going into the marine mindset and that's something new that i'm developing and i can't wait to to put it out there man i'm I'm really really pumped about that and just life has been good man life has been good as hard as it been i am wouldn't i don't think i would i would change any of it because i wouldn't be here sitting with you guys speaking about it man yeah no kidding so where could uh where can people find you on on social media or do you have a website as well uh yeah no no for sure the website is ronaldolinares.com um, and we're in a, a process of updating the website. I mean, it's live, but we're, we're changing things every day. So it doesn't go offline. Um, and you can find me on Instagram, chef underscore Ronaldo underscore LinkedIn, please LinkedIn, Ronaldo Linares, go there. I want to connect. I want to find out about you. I just want to talk with you, um, create a community, you know, and you know, Twitter chef underscore Ronaldo, or just all the platforms, go to the search box. Ronaldo Linares, my face is on all my profile pics, so you will not uh, miss that <laughs> handsome, handsome face, ageless, the ageless face. Um, we're not definitely, you will not miss that at all, man. Well, Ronaldo, man, uh, we would like to thank you for uh, for coming on the podcast. It was uh, it was a great experience. We had a lot of fun. No, hell yeah, man. No, this was awesome. I I love I love the podcast, and I can't wait to to start mine i would love to have you guys on my podcast when it goes live to interview you yeah that'd be fun and, and yeah I we're down about what you know your story man do you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah you guys who won one uh one gem right um recently i've been taking cold showers right and um, i want your listeners to to listen to this and to do it um I I heard I got wind of it a few weeks ago and um like it just entered my mind. And then a couple of days ago I was listening to the ice, you know, guys heard of the Iceman, right? Oh right. yeah, uh when when so it's crazy shit. So yeah, exactly. The when Huff uh breathing. So I I'm like, holy crap. Again, I'm hearing about it. I'm like, yo, the universe is telling me something. Take cold showers. So I, I read it. I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. It resets your mind. It resets your body, right? Yeah. So I've been taking cold showers for, I started a week, for a week, right? So I go Monday, I go Sunday through Monday, cold shower and Saturday. That's my gift to myself. I take a warm <laughs> shower. But let me tell you, ever since I started taking those cold showers, my awareness, my body awareness, when I'm taking that cold, when I'm saying cold, man, like cold as hell <laughs> and i get under there i do the breathing yeah and the shit works yeah you, you got to do the breathing you start <clears throat> you start recognizing your body you get warm like you get warm it's cold but it's warm inside yeah inside the body's warm and and i i i soap up i clean up and i'm not rushing i'm i'm in there 
And when I get out, my body is freezing, but I'm, I'm warm. I'm aware of it, but I go into such a state of meditation, man. And it is unbelievable. My, my words have never been clearer. My thought pattern has never been clear. It, no joke, man. I, I no joke. So it, get over the fact that the water is cold because that's all it is. Yeah. The water's just cold, honestly. And you do it for at least three days, man, that you're going to see a change in you. And yeah. I believe it's the, uh, I, I, I believe the cold water, like when you're in it for so long that it, uh, when you get out of it, like you're, there's like a shot of blood that just rushes yeah. your system yes, you and reflushing your blood, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it does. So I wanted to leave. I, I just really wanted to, uh, share that gem with you guys. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty odd. The first time sucks. Yeah. So you go in there and you're like, <laughs> oh, I got this. I got this. No, you don't. I got this. And, and then, then you're like, all right. Man. And then you take a deep breath and you kind of, again, you jump out of there quick. The second, yeah. all right. You do a little more reading. Okay. And you go in there and it's like, <gasps> and then you, you relax, you calm down. And then you're like, holy crap. I feel everything. I feel my body and nothing else matters. Nothing else matters, man. Yeah. And the, like you said, the rush of blood that you feel through your body, amazing, man. Amazing. Like your joints, everything feels so good. So definitely try. And it's free. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's probably like a dollar, but you know. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? It's not, it's not something that's crazy. But I wanted to share with you guys. My man, thank you so much for this opportunity. Truly blessed, man. And uh, good luck with, with this amazing podcast. Um, definitely, I, I, I am subscribed uh, and I've Excellent. listened to them already. So I'm pumped, man, to, to listen to this one, obviously, but also to keep listening to your guys' journey, man. And when I get my podcast, definitely would love to have you guys. On yeah, there. definitely. You know what I'm saying? All, All right. right. Yo, thank you so much, guys. Mm-hmm.